everyone. My name is Mohit Srinivasan. I work at Ford Motor Company as a research engineer. I basically met Alex through a Google search online, you know, through his website and coaching program and uh, have been in touch with him and been working with him since. And yeah, I moved moved to the US for grad school and subsequently now for my job. And I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Play a lot of tennis. So if any of you want to play tennis, let me know. Hi there. Coach Alex here from A-Team Fitness. Thanks for listening as I share incredible transformation stories directly from the source themselves, the individuals doing the work and seeing the results. We'll take a behind-the-curtain peek at the mental and physical changes that make for amazing transformation. I'm glad you're here. And after the episode, I hope you feel empowered to begin making some transformative changes of your own. Let's dive in. First and foremost, Mohit, thank you for being here. Our, you know, the way that the circumstances under which we met and have worked together and have become since friends is different than the way that I meet most people. Okay. That come see me in that it was totally by random. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was literally a Google search. <laughs> which is still, it blows my mind. You're one of me. I can count on one hand in my career, the number of times that that's happened that somebody has done a random Google search and found me and, and come in. Usually people who find me, find me through somebody that we mutually know, a friend, a client, or, you know, whatever. And it's interesting because all of the people that I've met through, who have found me through random Google searches have been some of my favorite people. <laughs> and it's so interesting because I just imagine like me doing a random search for a coach like that, I would be naturally a little bit more apprehensive, a little more skeptical. So I'm like, this is hiring a coach, especially a fitness coach. It's a very personal thing. It's a very important. It's very meaningful. It's very, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's just, it, it's interesting to me how amazing all the random people that have found me have been. Yeah. Maybe I'm yeah. just super lucky. I don't have the crazies finding me. on Google. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's also like, Positive energy attracts positive energy too, right? In some sense, it's like, I tend to like notice that in general, like um, that's why I think I gelled very well with you. Like, even though it was like a random Google search and I was like, oh, okay, here's a fitness coach. Let's, let's try this out. I think like a couple of sessions and I knew like, okay, this is going to work out. So, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So let's, let's rewind a little bit chronologically. We're talking about obviously when you and I met, when you signed up for, to join my coaching program and, but let's, let's go backwards. And I want to get a little bit of your backstory. So as far back as you'd like to go, take us through kind of your life until the moment you reached out to me. All right. In like, what, two minutes? <laughs> in as much time as you feel like you need, I would, it, um, if we're a little long-winded, I'll stop you. But give me, give me the, the Cliff Notes version. I mean, I was born in Mumbai, India. That was 1994. I grew up, you know, in Mumbai, in the suburbs. Basically, we, we were initially at a house and then we moved houses in 2003. And then since 2003, I was living in sort of in another part of Mumbai. Basically did my high school there, ate lots of street food, you know, just just had a lot of fun. I did undergrad there in Mumbai itself. I went to uh, VJTI, which was 
which is known as Veer Mata Jijabai Technological Institute. It was previously known as Victoria Jubilee Technical Institute. So it was established during the, the British era in India. So back in, I think, 1887 was when it was established. So amazing institute, you know, had a good time there. And then I always kind of knew that I wanted to pursue like a math-related career. So I was looking into economics. I was looking into astrophysics at some point, which... Right now, I'm like, okay, thank God I didn't do that because I knew I wouldn't be good at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I basically wanted to kind of get into research and things like that. And I knew I wanted to do like a PhD because I really enjoy doing research. Uh, I started, you know, like kind of focusing on that part of my sort of uh, academic career and started applying for grad school uh, in the US. Like I knew there were a bunch of universities here, which were pretty good for those things that I was looking at. So yeah, I did, you know, I gave the usual standardized tests like the GRE, the TOEFL, like the English language test. Moved here in 2016. I moved to Georgia Tech to pursue my uh, master's. So I actually came here for my master's. But like I said, I always wanted to do a PhD, but then there were a lot of like variables. Finding an advisor, like I didn't have an advisor at the time. Finding funding, like you need to have, your advisor needs to fund you for the PhD program. Otherwise, like, it's financially not possible uh, to do that for like four years or five years, right? So I spent a year taking courses and then I met my advisor, started working with him. So that was like 2017. So I officially sort of started my PhD work in 2017, wrapped it up in 2020. And so it was like three years. And then after graduation, yeah, I was just doing job search. You know, I found Ford, found Michigan. Uh, and then I found you. <laughs> so that was the version of my life. <laughs> uh, I'm so, you know, I want to ask you a couple questions about your move to the U.S. when you first moved to Georgia Tech for your master's program. Because yeah. moving to a different country is a pretty big deal. There's a lot of, right. a lot of things are different. I, I, I think about my experiences traveling to to other countries, even for just a short period of time and how much of a little bit of a, culture shock and, and just how different everything was and trying yeah. to figure things out. So I can only imagine moving for an extended period of time to another country is that, but a lot bigger of a deal. So was there anything when you first moved for your master's program into Georgia Tech to the U.S., was there anything specifically about being in the U.S. that surprised you? Surprised? The first thing that surprised me was the number of people that I see on the roads just walking around like Mumbai is, is there's a lot of people around it's some areas are just very crowded. Right. So when you're walking around, there's usually a, a lot of people. When I moved here, I didn't see that. Like the, the, you know, the sidewalks used to be pretty empty. That, that really took, it actually took me a bit of time to get used to it. The other sort of aspect that I got used to was the fact that people don't honk uh, here on the roads and in India, it's like a lot of honking as well. So that was another thing that I got used to. So things like that, you know, just small things like that. In terms of like adjusting to the to the country and the place, I did not struggle. Like I I don't, I wouldn't say I got like homesick. There, yes, there were like, you know, moments where, you know, I'd, I'd want to see mom, dad, or I'd want to see friends back home. It would It would be a little tough, but then I was also sort of, you know, prepared for this move like since a while like I I knew that I would move to the I would move abroad I knew I'd move abroad 
that kind of had like a cushioning effect you know like it was mentally i was kind of prepared for it yeah there were definitely moments where you know like i wanted to go back just visit mom dad for a while come back yeah and and grad school kept me pretty busy so like it was you know yeah you'd feel bad about sometime or you'd feel homesick but then grad school would kind of remind you that hey it's time to <laughs> get the homework yeah. assignment done <laughs> uh, yeah so so kind of a super random question on that topic and i'm going to put you on the spot for a second who's got better yeah. food the us or mumbai i think it's um i mean to be very honest i i think it's just different cultures and cuisines right so it's i can't like make an apples to apples like comparison on that i would say like for vegetarians which i am india has a lot more sort of options whereas in the us i mean atlanta and anaba michigan like i've had no issues finding vegetarian food like it's always been available i think there is i think cuisine in the americas is is also like it's nice because there's very specific dishes that you know i tried like I, for example in atlanta i tried grits for the first time which was which was interesting it was it was nice we went to i think cracker barrel we we went paintballing with sort of the 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 lab group that i was part of we went to cracker barrel and i had grits there for the first time so and just having good american burgers but with the black bean patty that was that's always good i guess my sort of long answer is it's just two different types of cuisines and the emphasis on flavor is different slightly more difficult for me to find vegetarian food in some restaurants here if i go into like not so big cities overall it's it's been it's been very interesting to taste different things here yeah okay. what's what's the favorite dish in the us that you've tried since you've come here it's not an american like cuisine but in atlanta there is this ethiopian restaurant called desta and i absolutely love that place my lab mate introduced me to that restaurant and it's on this stretch of highway called buford highway where there's a lot of restaurants there's a lot of asian uh, restaurants there um, just it's very multicultural that was the first time i had ethiopian food and i think i like it so much because it's very similar to indian food as well in terms of the pulses that they use like they use a lot of lentils in their food they have like this type of bread called injera bread which is a fermented batter that's fermented so it's it's like crepe basically and indians have a very similar sort of uh, dish as well so but just in terms of like the flavor and the quality of the food i think that's definitely like one of the best and in anabar i like uh, frita potatoes uh, okay I, that's <laughs> always that's, a favorite uh, yeah exactly <laughs> have you have you tried the ethiopian restaurant in anabar no i haven't i've looked at it <laughs> okay i haven't um, i haven't tried it yet yeah The other thing that is I'm really interested to know about your move to the US is obviously one of the big and unique challenges of that is you're leaving your home where you know where you've grown up where you know people you have friends yeah. and you're coming to a place where you may not know anyone and you have to kind of find friends and build friendships and yeah. it's interesting to me that I think you know my kind of observations on just friendship in general is it's easy for us as children to make friends because we're kind of forced into situations that lead to those relationships we're stuck in a class together for multiple hours throughout the day yeah. none of us really want to be there so we're all kind of in this shared misery and we kind of 
come to know each other and get familiar with each other and we realize it's us against yeah. school because we all just want yeah, to play. Yeah, you share the band, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so that's and then so we kind of build our friendships from there. We're also kind of all trying to figure out who we are together, and like there's that kind of shared experience. Yeah, and and my observation is once we become adults, for a lot of people, when we have more responsibility, when we have work obligations, when we're just have so much more going on, one not only do we not have the time necessarily to put as much into those relationships, but we also I think as adults realize a lot of us don't actually know how to make friends without the constraints of being in a class together or being in those shared experiences. So I'm curious because for as long as I've known you, you've always been a really extroverted outgoing guy. We've had this conversation a few times now, but I'm curious, what was it like for you and kind of how did you approach meeting people and making new friends in a new country? In grad school, it was pretty easy because as you mentioned, like we, Usually there's, I mean, there's a lot of students from India who come and, you know, pursue their master's or their doctorate programs here. So there's, there's a big batch of like colleagues who, who will join you here. And if you are one of those students who are enrolled in one of like the core, you know, programs, as they say, like electrical engineering, like ECE or uh, mechanical or whatever, chances are you'll have a big group of like people from your home country, in my case, India as well so it was very easy to make friends but one of the things that i i um, sort of emphasized you know within myself was to kind of also make friends with the international community and not just stick with friends from india and the reason being that i wanted to learn more about different cultures essentially because i think that's a that's like a very big blessing that you get for people who have the sort of the blessing to study abroad and experience different cultures abroad. I think that's something that, you know, one should take advantage of. For me, it was about, since I was like, you know, trying to find advisors and um, trying to enroll in the PhD program, you know, I met some people when I was working with one professor, just, you know, trying to understand if I would be a good fit in his lab. You know, I met some people by just working in that lab essentially. So there were a bunch of people from Saudi Arabia, from Greece, from Iran. So it was a, it was a good group, really nice people. So that's one way I made friends, literally just, you know, through grad school. So it was through the courses that I took. So just working together for assignments and things like that. Outside of that, I didn't play too much of tennis during grad school just because it was so hectic. If I were to compare like my time right now in Michigan, like most of the people that I've met right now is through tennis through the tennis groups um, so i'm i'm playing at a club here so i just frequently meet a lot of people there and that's kind of like my socializing time one of my colleagues lives in michigan so in an hour so he introduced me to his friend group last year when i moved here so you know i just met them and started hanging out with them and then again like a very diverse multicultural group so that's how i kind of went about it about with it i didn't like force myself to join like groups as such but i kind of just went with the flow you know tried to keep myself open to different opportunities to meeting people um, and that that kind of worked out and that's really it's really interesting to hear you say that too of not kind of forcing yourself into these groups but to kind of go with the flow which you are definitely a go with the flow kind of guy 
And, uh, but the other interesting thing too, you know, we talked about with school, obviously there's that shared interest of, you might be studying the same thing. You're going through the same challenges. There's the kind of shared misery of, of deadlines and projects and papers and whatnot. And we lose that ability. But what, what you did, which is really cool is you, you identified an interest that you had, which was tennis, something you've done most of your life. And you found a way to get around other people who had the same shared interest. Yeah. And then just like when you're in school, you are familiar with people, you start to learn about them. You start to figure out what your shared interests are. And then that's how you figure out who are your friends and who are just classmates. And you were able to do that via the tennis. It sounds like. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Tennis was, yeah. Tennis has had like a bunch of different like advantages for me. And this is definitely one of them, especially like, especially here, like back in India, I used to play tennis very regularly, but then it was more of like, I would, it was more of like coaching sessions, right? Like until, until I was, I think 15 or something, I was still enrolled in like coaching sessions, trying to get better. And then undergrad again, tennis was like on and off. And there aren't as many tennis courts in Mumbai as I would like see here because of space constraints and things like that. So playing tennis was a bit more tough there. So I didn't meet as many people, I would say, like during my sort of last couple of years in, in India. But then, yeah, once I moved here, it's been it's been really good. That's that's one way I've, I've actually used my sort of personal interest and someone else's personal interest to kind of like meet them. You know, it's uh, yeah. And just just wonderful people. Like, it's just very nice to hang out with them. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Now, you know, you mentioned tennis, playing back in Mumbai. And, and so I'm curious to hear about your kind of experience with not only tennis, but also other forms of exercise and just fitness in general. What was your experience with that growing up, going through grad school, again, leading up to when you and I met? Yeah, in, in India, it was, I would say it was like, it was two things for me. So it was, it was tennis. I used to go to the coaching sessions, play a lot. That was sort of the main form of exercise. And then on the side, like when I was probably like, yeah, until I was, I guess, 12, maybe or 13, like we would play a lot of cricket on the streets, a lot of soccer on the streets, like outside my house. Also, I had a bunch of friends locally. So those were kind of like the two main exercises or like forms of physical exercise. The one thing that that I was, I've talked to somebody else about this as well, which is hiking, for example, was not a thing for us. Like growing up, at least, at least it wasn't for me in, in Mumbai. Like we wouldn't actively go for trails. Like there aren't like trails that you can go to like in 40, after a 40 minute drive, like here in Ann Arbor, you know, you can go to Barton or you can go to some other place, like take a 40 minute drive or drive two hours, go to Holland. That wasn't a thing for us, like for me growing up. So hiking was something new that I picked up when I came to the US. That concept of just, you know, going to national parks, doing like a, a two hour hike or whatever. But yeah, uh, in India, it was just tennis and it was just playing cricket, soccer out on the streets, pretty much. Here, so when I moved here, again, like the first year that I was here uh, in, in the US, it was very hectic because I was trying to find advisors for, you know, my PhD and courses were pretty intense at Georgia Tech. So I was trying to kind of cope up with that. So I didn't really pay much attention at all, like actually zero attention to uh, uh, to fitness. <laughs> and then 2017, I started sort of working out more regularly in the gym. 
you know, I started focusing more on my diet. I still didn't play as much tennis. I did 2017, I think, fall. I, I played, I practiced quite a lot. And then there was a tournament at Georgia Tech, which I didn't think I'd win it, but I won it, which is which is nice. But yeah, so I, I played a bit of tennis there. But then after that, it's mainly been sort of workouts in the gym. After I moved here, you know, I met you and then I've sort of done the course through you. So I've still, I still continue like going to the gym, but it's sort of a combination of tennis, the gym, and then doing the regular sort of hikes whenever I can. What role has all of these physical activities and just fitness in general, what role has that played in your life? Not only in the past, but now, and how might that be different in the roles that it played then versus now? For me, more than, I guess, like just, you know, the physical advantages of an exercise, it's more about how I can use the exercises and my time at the gym or tennis to kind of relieve some of the stress uh, in general. It's sort of the the hour and a half. I usually spend about 90 minutes in the gym, uh, like in the morning. So the hour and a half in the gym. And then on an average, it's about two to two and a half hours, maybe on the tennis court. Those times are the times when I completely zone out, don't think about anything else. You know, my phone is in the bag. Otherwise, I think I've told you, like, if my phone, you know, if I get a notification, my instant reaction is to open it and reply to the person. Like, I don't even keep it waiting. But yeah, during the gym or even during tennis, it's it's in the bag, you know. So it's it helps to kind of just zone out, you know, remove all the stress just focus right like just focus your mind on sort of one single task and that helps quite a lot like growing up tennis we used to have these competitive exams in India and I know a bunch of my friends for example used to take holidays before the exams and just like completely shut off and not not do anything just literally like study for me that didn't work like I would still go to tennis and I would still like continue playing and it it kind of helped me perform better because I don't think there's any doubt that there is a very high correlation between physical exercise and sort of your performance in general in life, right? Like your efficiency levels. It's been, yeah, it's been a great form of like stress relief. And then at the same time, it's also helped like with performing other tasks during the day in a more efficient manner. Like one one distinct advantage that I think helps is I don't rely on coffee to get that energy. So previously, I mean, if I didn't work out, then I'd have to like drink one cup of coffee in the morning to kind of get that initial kick, you know, keep that going until like the afternoon or something. So now if I work out in the gym in the morning, like that's, that's all I need. Like I can keep going until, until evening and then yeah, sure. I get tired, but I think that's been like a big advantage. So the thing that I love about what you just said is finding and using the exercise both in the mornings in the gym, but also the times that you're playing tennis, yeah. a chance to unplug from everything else that's going on in your life, which a lot of people, I think most people know that we all need an activity to unplug. We can't constantly yeah. be, you know, strapped into sending text messages or emails or being on social media, scrolling, whatever. But I think a lot of people mistake unplugging for doing nothing or like vegging out on the TV or just not doing anything. When in reality, what you're doing is perfect because not only are you killing a couple of birds with one stone, you're getting your physical activity. You're able to meet people and create those friendships and do something, just a fun activity. But you're also, it's a good opportunity to leave your phone in the bag. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I And I think it, 
it also depends like so the tennis whenever i play tennis it's it's not coaching sessions right like i don't i'm not part of a like a there's not somebody who's coaching me like i actively try to uh, stay very competitive on the court and and i play usda leagues so i play competitive matches and i'm actively trying to kind of improve myself like every time i play like i i try to find out what my weaknesses are how can i improve so those sort of that that time on the court is very focused on being competitive and and how i can sort of improve myself right and that helps a lot like it it kind of translates in general in life like it makes me more strong it makes me sort of mentally more tough right like how you can sort of overcome certain challenges if i i usually play with the people i play with are like super good and so they it's it's very hard like to you know stay that competitive with them but that's that's the that's the part that helps me improve and that kind of also translates into my work like i if there is a problem that i have issues figuring out like i'll keep going at it and so it's it kind of you know it's it's like i said it's not just like two hours of physical exercise and that's it but i just zone off there's there's a lot more involved in that yeah there's a lot of advantages uh, absolutely and so in hearing you say that too i'm curious you know obviously there as you've explained there've been periods of your life where you were less active because you were busy with your finding an advisor yeah. and and just generally going through your programs there are times where you've been more active now early in yeah. the past if you think about not just as you're mentioning not just the physical benefits not just having more energy not having to rely on coffee having yeah. a stress outlet for yourself how has being physically active changed how you think about yourself, about your work, about everything that you do, how has it changed in those moments where you are more active, like now versus periods of time where you weren't as physically active? I think the instant uh, changes like in positivity, for example, if there's any stressful situation uh, that pops up in life in general, then previously my reaction was to kind of, you know, like worry about it and stuff. But now it's a bit, it's, much more better like my reaction is is more like yeah we'll we'll deal with it and this this translates to what i was talking about like on the tennis court right like when you constantly go through these like moments of these tough moments like where you kind of have to outperform yourself that i think has a very big impact on how you think outside your sort of you know outside the tennis court for me so uh, whenever i face any like tough situation then now the reaction is to kind of take a deep breath and just you know deal with it like that that sort of mental toughness and positivity i think has has grown in me quite a lot and this didn't exist like i said this did not exist even in india when i was playing tennis it didn't exist because back then it was i would just play for 2 hours i didn't think too much about like you know how this is actually affecting my sort of uh, general like life but then once i started facing the stresses of grad school you know things like that like job search and all of that that's when i started realizing that i can sort of use more of my experience like in the gym or in, in the tennis court and translate that to to real life yeah i think that is the biggest like change in me uh, i would say it's so true you know i I'm always telling people about the mental benefits of yeah. getting in the gym or doing a physical activity like tennis or doing something mm-hmm. that challenges you in a physical way. 
And sometimes it challenges you in a mental way of either figuring out how to get better at that particular activity or in, in trying to outperform yourself and figure out how to continue to yeah. elevate your performance in there. And, and the analogy that I typically use with people is when if someone's in the weight room and they're doing like a squat, so they're loading a barbell with hundreds of pounds and they're going to put it on their back and they're going to try to squat it. And they've never done that weight before. They don't know exactly if they can. They might feel pretty confident that they can based on prior performance, but they've never yeah. actually done it. So there's those butterflies you get in your stomach. And it's a very real, obviously having hundreds of pounds on your back, if you do it right, all good. If you do it wrong, it has a very real capacity to injure you in that, yeah. which contributes to some of the butterflies and, and the nervousness with kind of stepping up and unwrapping yeah. the bar and realizing you're squatting. And now as you lower yourself to the ground, you realize you got to go back up <laughs> and you're just really hoping that you can. And yeah. then you kind of, as you start to come out of it and you are lifting it, that kind of sense of relief of like, okay, I got this. I did this. I can do this. And how interesting it is that that translates to giving a presentation at work right? Yep. Those little butterflies, you got to speak in yep. front of people and you're kind of nervous about it. You're not sure what they're going to think. But when you don't have that gym experience, that can be paralyzing. Yeah. Right? That anxiety and that fear about giving that presentation for somebody who's come in that morning out of squatting hundreds of pounds they've not done before. Yeah. Suddenly they got a different perspective, right? They're yeah. like, okay, yeah. I feel these butterflies and I might be a little nervous for this presentation, but I understand this feeling because I've had this feeling before. I had it when I squatted in the gym and I was able to do that. I was brave enough to try that and I succeeded. So why can't I do this? Yeah. And also worst case scenario of a presentation is, eh, it doesn't go as well as you'd like. Worst case scenario, squatting hundred, hundreds of pounds is eh, pretty bad. Right. Exactly. And so that is kind of what I take from what you're explaining is, is something similar in just, it gives you different perspective when you challenge yourself in these types of activities, these types of physical activities. Yeah. You give yourself new perspective on your capabilities. Yep. But then, yeah, exactly. And like the other sort of thing that I very recently that I struggled with initially was I started playing like last year, I started playing a lot of like tournaments and, and matches with, different people like people from Detroit, Southfield, all of that. So I started playing with a lot of unknown people like in competitive matches and then I I they had different like levels of like strengths and weaknesses, right? So that was always like I struggled with that initially. I was like, "Oh, this is an unknown person, you know, am I going to win?" Then thoughts start creeping up and then your mind kind of goes down a rabbit hole and then you you basically mess up the match. Eventually, like once you start playing enough people, like once you start, even if you don't win, like once you start playing enough unknown people and then you start winning, then you have the confidence to say to yourself that, okay, next time I meet someone unknown, it's, it's fine. I've done this before. And that literally translates to life outside the tennis court, right? Like if there's a problem that arises, which you've never faced before, which always happens, right? Then you can tell yourself that, you've you've done this before it's it was on the tennis court and this is here so you know you can do it so yes I, I i'm so glad that you said that because it really comes down to learning how to trust yourself yeah right if there's a big work project that you if you if someone thinks about you know 
improving their performance in all areas of their life. So maybe they want to level up in their career. They want to get the promotion. They want to climb the ladder. They want to, you know, be in a higher position than they are now. That's going to require taking on tasks and projects that they may have not have much experience with and have never done before. It's a level that they're unfamiliar with. And the only way one's going to traverse to that new area, that new terrain, is at some point they're going to have to take a little bit of a leap of faith and just say, yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to trust yeah. myself that I can figure it out. Yeah, I think I think you need to do that. And I've forced myself to do that, like just in general, like just trying to take risks that I think I know I can do it, but I've never done it before. But if if I don't take that risk, I lose that opportunity right, to improve. And unless you get your hands dirty and into the weed of things like you don't you don't improve as a person so yeah 100% now when you, you shortly after you moved here to Ann Arbor you and I live in the same city you found me as we said early on you found me via google search yeah and you gave me a call and we talked over the phone tell me a little bit about what drove you to seek out a coach in that moment um i think you know when i moved here it was i didn't know anybody in the city so it was also during the pandemic like it was not the start but it was kind of like in the middle of the pandemic right it was december 2020 so i didn't know anyone the last semester at georgia tech was also very stressful because it was my thesis defense you know i was i was extremely busy with finishing up grad school essentially so i didn't focus too much on on fitness and and just playing tennis or going to the gym so i was i would say i wanted to kind of get back into the rhythm of things but i always wanted to kind of work with a trainer to have very specific exercises that would that are suitable for my sort of uh, body and so that that thought was always there in my mind and i knew i would kind of do this after i get a job because it was like not possible to do that during grad school just physical like monetary constraints and stuff yeah i mean so then i just literally i started looking and i was like okay you know this is one way i can kill some time right during the it was also winter here so like not many people were outside so this is one way i can kill time like in the gym just start getting into the rhythm of things again Yeah I literally just googled physical trainers in Ann Arbor and I I read really good reviews about you so I I thought okay uh, let's let's give that a shot and yeah that's that's how I called you and and when we talked I think we actually had a couple of phone calls and cuz I remember at first you know you were looking to get back into strength training and getting some specific direction with exercises in that yeah. regard to kind of get back into the rhythm and things as you said and at the time I think you would definitely looking for an in-person component right and then and yeah. in our conversations as most people do when they look for a trainer they're looking for someone to go see in a gym yeah. and show them the exercises and then you know on our first phone call i remember mentioning that it was an online coaching program yeah and which is new for a lot of people it's it, it can be a little bit unfamiliar and and dare i say there was a little bit of apprehension at first you were kind of figuring out okay what is this thing like what what is this what's what's this going to be like what's what's the deal Tell me about what was going through your head then when you were first kind of introduced to the concept of an online coaching program and and what you thought in that moment. It was I mean it wasn't like out of this world because we were already into the pandemic and Zoom and and WebEx was like the thing right so it wasn't out of this world but um my prior experience with 
working out or um, just watching videos and stuff has been of of people like you know doing in person programs like i know friends who've done in person programs so that was sort of like a like a foundation in my head it was like a bias right like okay this is a thing that needs to be done in person and there is no other way to do it also like tennis for example like you you can't teach it you can i don't think you can teach tennis online because that's that's like difficult to do because there's very specific sort of motions that you need to like you know teach in person so there was all this like bias in my head before but then like i just i got some information from you and then i thought about it and it it made sense to me because i think one of the sort of advantages was like i was really motivated to to like start the program and then finish it right like continue it learn from you so i knew that even if it was an online program i would still wake up in the morning and go to the gym like i knew that i had that motivation in me but then i was the, the apprehension apprehensions were mainly towards like if there's a specific exercise that i need to do then how do i make sure that i have the right form or the correct posture for it and so on as i started doing those exercises i also realized that you know you you had very good instructions in your app and you know in in our sort of daily weekly sessions we would talk about it so i think a couple of times i also told you that i don't think my posture is correct so you suggested like ways to improve it so as we went along i my my sort of outlook about it like changed dramatically like 180 degrees yeah i think like that initial bias was what was like causing those apprehensions i think it was like just short lived uh, it wasn't like a long term thing Do you think that as you went through the program and as you as you said you were kind of responsible to be driven to get to the gym on your own and and yeah. albeit with support but not in person support do yeah. the exercises that it kind of in some ways set you up to take more ownership over the process as a whole Yeah definitely definitely I think um cuz I mean I yeah like I, I mean it it was very natural for me like I said like if like even today I told you right like I didn't go to the gym today and I already feel like weird uh it it, it was very nat- it's very natural for me to feel that way um even if I skip one day um so that ownership component like I think it exists in me by default um so I never had an issue with it I'm curious what does it you know your fitness journey is one of kind of ebbs and flows. Right? Yeah. So there are times when you're really on top of your game, then there are times when things get busy and you get off yeah. track a little bit and then you get back on. And in that time, I think with every flow and with every ebb you get a little bit better. Yeah. At it all. You get a little bit more of the benefits of it. So my question for you is what does it mean to you in the entirety of your experience with fitness right now? What does it mean to you to have gotten to the point where you're at and has to have come as far as you have in that journey? I mean things I've learned most important thing is diet I think um which is um something I learned from you as well like quite a lot when we were tracking the sort of the amount of like nutrients that i would consume in a day and stuff like how many carbs how many proteins um diet is like i would say a major major part i mean i don't know i'm like still an amateur in in all this so but in my experience like diet 
is the number one sort of influencing factor. Even if you work out like crazy, if your diet isn't good, I don't think you see the effects. So that was the first thing I learned. And truly, when I started tracking the calories and not just calories, but just the, the amount of carbs or proteins I would consume, that's when I realized that, you know, I need to work on this part of my diet more or this part. And Oh, a banana has like 30 grams of, of carbs. I, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> I can't eat like five bananas a day now. <laughs> so that was the number one thing I learned. I also learned like that I really love cardio. Like I, I knew I liked cardio and I, because of tennis, like it was natural for me, but it was still like normal. Like I wouldn't say I was like, you know, focusing on cardio, but then this started prior to when I met you as well, like when I started going to the gym, I would start working out on the treadmill more. And then like, I realized that I can sort of do sustained treadmill workouts um, at higher speeds for a, for a pretty long time. Like, so now I, now I can do about like, I would say 40 to 45 minutes and then get like a really, really good, like I'll know that I've worked myself out at the end of it. So um, but it's, it's something that I look forward to every day. It's not like, Oh, I need to run on the treadmill. I don't want to do this. So I learned that about myself over the years that like my cardiovascular strength is, is much better than what it was before. And again, that translates to like just different things in, in life. Like uh, I remember when I moved here to Michigan, like uh, my house has like a staircase. So I was shifting some stuff up and I realized like, man, I've gotten so unfit that I've, I've started like actually like losing a couple of breaths as I took the stuff upstairs. So now it's not like that. Like, because I, I run so much, I, I play so much tennis, like it, I'm constantly trying to improve that, that part in me. That's another thing I learned about myself. I learned about diet. Yeah. Just also like pushing yourself like to the boundaries. Like if there's a workout that as this happened um, with with one of your workouts, which was, I think, like there was like an inclined bench press that you had suggested. And uh, it's harder to do than just the regular bench press. But then it wasn't like, oh, you know, just do whatever you can. I wanted to kind of, you know, push myself and, and get that done and keep improving on that. So move to higher weights, which I think I did. That's another thing I learned about myself is like, if I, uh, once I really put my mind to it, even if my body is telling me like, oh, I'm tired, like there's always this extra ounce of energy that you can sort of put and, and go the extra mile, essentially. Those are great lessons. I, when you talked about diet and you alluded to the macronutrients and the calories and kind of learning and tracking what you were doing and learning what are those in each foods, we recently had a conversation about it where I told you about that meme that I sent you afterwards of the guy looking at a plate of food and just all these math equations going through his head. Um, and that's kind of what it feels like, right? When you're, you know, one of the, the ways that we worked on nutrition together was figuring out and starting a practice of tracking the calories that you were eating, getting a certain amount of each of these macronutrients, the protein, the carbs, and the fats. And in yeah. so doing kind of learning what of those were contained in the foods that we were eating. Yeah. Right. And that inevitably leads to a lot of shifting and thinking about food in general, I think. Yeah. And yeah. What was the reality of that for you? How did that approach to paying attention to your diet change how you looked at food? Like, so being a vegetarian, I think at least I, I don't think this is true, but for me, like most of my food, I think is like garbage. 
and it it helps because like i need that energy to do the running and to play tennis so it helps but at the same time you know i've noticed that if i don't consume enough proteins then i'll start losing muscle mass because i'm running so much i'm playing tennis so much so i start getting skinnier and it's like up and down basically once i start consuming the proteins then it's very easy for me to bulk up it's like very easy so one thing i started paying attention to was the fact that just my daily diet like just ignoring the changes i would make to it to get the protein just my daily diet was very carb rich and had very little protein in it so i it actively made me try to you know find other protein sources you know just make those changes right and just reduce try to reduce the number of carbs as well and just get more protein into it and then also just realizing little things like as i said like a banana actually has like i think 30 grams of carbs i think just like a medium one or something and it was it was pretty like surprising because you, i thought like oh you can eat as much of this and you know nothing's going to happen but <laughs> it has a lot of carbs in it so that was another thing but then the flip side is i can't also eliminate all the carbs right because I, then i i've actually actually noticed this like if on days i just consume less carbs than i usually do like the next day in the gym like on the treadmill like it's it's hard to finish that workout it's hard in tennis like i'll start feeling weak that's another thing that i learned uh, during this process is you can't just be on the extremes you literally have to find that balance for yourself that you know that works for you so yeah because previously like i used to also like diet just like to be extreme diets like you know just cut out like bread and and dairy and whatever which which is okay but then it cannot be on the extreme level that you don't have any more energy in your body so that's also something i learned from you because the sort of when we started tracking the food i i remember like a month month and a half in i i knew i was working out and i was seeing the results but it didn't feel like i was going through an intense diet or it didn't feel like you know i was feeling weak from you know monitoring my my diet or anything it was it was really good and and you know you're expressing too what a lot of people experience when they go on a typical diet right which is a little bit more on the extreme end and a lot of restriction and it's yeah. pretty miserable quite frankly when you're doing it yeah and the cool thing about learning what's going on behind the scenes right learning about the protein the carbs the fats the importance of carbohydrates the importance yeah. of getting the right amounts being able to track the calories and figure out kind of how all these puzzle pieces fit together is that regardless of what our goal is if we want to build muscle if we want to lose fat if we want to you know improve our cardio endurance if we whatever goal you may have you don't have to when you have that understanding of the behind the scenes workings of the nutrition and how all these numbers fit together and what foods are are great sources of these things you don't have to stop all that to go on one of these extreme diets to make changes all you have to do is tweak some of the numbers yeah right yeah exactly which makes that's, sense that that's that's yeah that's the biggest thing i learned from this was you 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 know you shouldn't do these extreme diets because like you're literally depriving your body of food so you you need that balance like i said i, I feel it can't be those extremes it has to be like the the balance and for that you kind of need either you do your own research about it and and figure it out yourself like in in issues like this i i tend to kind of rely on somebody else who has the knowledge in this case you so that was like helpful for me to kind of you know find the right balance yeah 
Um, it's, such, it's, it's very great advice. I am curious to know what specific advice you would give to a younger version of yourself. So like, think of you going through your master's PhD program, not doing a whole lot of physical activity, really stressed, really busy, not taking great care of your health. What advice would you give to that version of you? I would say take the time to go to the gym or like just take the time to work out because like I, I feel at a certain point we we kind of overemphasize on certain things like if if there's a deadline then we feel that's that's our world right like that's the only thing that matters I would tell myself a younger version of myself that that's not the only thing that matters like you can literally just spend an hour at the gym and spend the remaining time working that's fine but that one hour in the gym will influence the remaining sort of 10 hours that you that you work so even if i even if you cannot find the time to do it try to find the time to do it like 24 hours is there's a cricketer in india ms dhoni i'm a huge fan of his and he always says like 24 hours in a day is like more than enough for what you need to do like it's it's more than enough uh, because sometimes people say oh i wish i had more hours during the day that's that's not true. Like you can actually, 24 hours is quite a lot. And if you really like put your mind to it, you can, you know, like very efficiently, like make use of those hours, get your eight hours of sleep or whatever. So yeah, like I tell the younger version of myself that, you know, work is not the only thing. There's other aspects to life. So just focus on that too. Great advice. I love it. I want to end it there. Thank you so much again, Mohit for, for coming on the yeah. podcast with me and uh, really great advice. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. If you feel inspired by this story, please share it with a friend. If you'd like to book a free discovery call to talk with an A-Team coach, head to the episode description or visit us at ateamfit.com. That's A-T-E-A-M-F-I-T.com. We'll see you again soon.